0: As we begin this morning in this series on leadership, nothing happens without leadership. Until a leader arises, nothing happens. People can have all kinds of ideas and good intentions, but until somebody steps forward and says, let's do this, nothing happens. Is that not true? It's a good saying. So then in Leadership you that we're going through the next few Sundays, which all of you that are here will get a certificate that you have graduated from leadership. No, I'm kidding. We will learn that godly leadership ensures the success of the mission. Where there is godly leadership, things get done. We'll also learn that there are different styles of leadership, and you are gifted by God with spiritual gifts that are unique to you, and you have a style of leadership. It doesn't have to be just like mine or Alan's or somebody else's, but you have a style of leadership that God Gives you. We're going to look at those. And thirdly, we're going to look at how to recognize a spiritual leader. You say, well, that ought to be easy. It may not be as easy as you think. So we're going to dig into what the Bible says are the characteristics of a spiritual leader. And I pray that in so doing, it will not only help us recognize a spiritual leader, but it will challenge us to develop these characteristics, these qualities in our lives that we be the leader. And then lastly, we're going to talk about the stewardship of leadership. There is no such thing as a godly leader that is not a good steward. No such thing. And that includes our time, our talent, and our treasure. You see, every one of us are given by God 24 hours, 7 days, 365. What we do with that we are accountable to God for, because he's the giver. Now, I will be the first to admit to you that, that there's going to be some accounting on my part. But I pray that God helps me to be a better steward. How about you? I want to be a better steward of the time, the talent, and the treasure that God has given me. Why? Because souls are what's important, church. Souls that are lost, that need Jesus, They need leadership. And if I'm not a good steward of what God has given me, there may be some that don't hear. I need to be a good steward. And so we'll talk about that. I'm going to read to you now an article by this man that was a great leader in the church. By the way, he he was Missionary Alliance. I don't know if you knew that or not. A.W. Tozier was Missionary Alliance. And he wrote something it has been well over 50 years ago but it sounds like he was writing to us today. So I want you to look at it with me as I read it. It's called Our Most Critical Need. The most critical need of the church at this moment is men. The right kind of men. Bold men. The talk is that we need revival. That we need a new baptism of the Holy Spirit. And God knows we must have both. But God will not revive mice. (laughs) He will not rabbits. Now, this is going to get hard before it gets easier, okay? You can see that at the outset, can't you? Okay, we languish, he said, for men who feel themselves expendable in the warfare of the soul because they have already died to the allurements of this world. Such men, he said... Such men will be free from the compulsions that control weaker men. They will not be forced to do things by the squeeze of circumstance. Their only compulsion will come from within or from above. This is what we need in this hour. This kind of freedom, note, this kind of freedom is necessary if we are to have prophets in our pulpits instead of mascots. You thought I preached hard. How'd you like sit under this guy's ministry for a while? These free men will serve God and mankind from motives too high to be understood by the rank and file of religious retainers who today shuffle in and out of the sanctuary. They will make no decisions out of fear take no course out of a desire to please, accept no service for financial considerations, perform no religious acts out of mere custom, nor allow themselves to be influenced by the love of publicity or the desire for reputation. Now, if you haven't gotten it yet, let me say it. He's setting the bar real high. Much that the church, even the evangelical church, is doing today is doing because it is afraid not to do it. The status quo. Later on, I'm going to take the seeker-friendly movement to task. Stick around. It'll get hotter before it cools off. Speaking of the temperature in here, not out there. Ministerial associations take up projects for which there's no higher reasons than that they are scared into it, pressured into it. Hmm. So whatever their ear to the ground, fear-inspired, reconnoitering leads them to believe or fear, the world expects them to do, they will be doing come next Monday morning with all kinds of trumped up zeal and show of godliness. The pressure of public opinion calls these prophets, not the voice of Jehovah. I may have to repent myself if I read this again. The true church has never sounded out public expectations before launching its crusades. Its leaders heard from God and went ahead wholly independent of popular support or the lack of it. You see, they knew their Lord's will and did it. And their people followed them, sometimes to triumph, but more often to insults and public persecution. And their sufficient reward, hallelujah, was the satisfaction of being wrong, is that what it says, of being right in a wrong world. I would rather be right in a wrong world than be wrong and lose. His well done.